Hello, Kayla. Hello, Megan. <laughs> I was about to take a sip of my water oh, and then was like, oh, no, I have to say hi to Megan. Sabrina would be very disappointed. <laughs> she I? would be very disappointed. <laughs> Every time I drink water and like we're editing the podcast and I'll like we'll hear like a little blip. I'll see Sabrina's eyes just roll. <laughs> I'm staying hydrated. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But it happens to make a lot of noise. So for those of you audio geeks out there, you understand. Mm-hmm. It's annoying. You get it. <laughs> I understand that we have to hydrate, but come on, people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm super excited for today's episode. This is going to be um, such a a wonderful journey. And I I don't want to spoil anything, so I'm not going to say anymore, but I'm very excited. (laughs) Hi, I'm Kayla Mason. And I'm Megan Smith. And this is Human Human Design Design in Real Time. Time. I'm the founder and CEO of Kayla Care, and as an intuitive human design coach, I use human design to help you get to the root of what's holding you back from living the life you actually want to be living. Human design is a map of your energetic DNA that uses a combination of ancient systems and modern science to help you understand how your energy shows up in the world. On this podcast, we'll be talking with people from all walks of life about how their human design affects their lives and the lives of those around them. To download a PDF of your own human design chart, all you need is your exact birth time and you can go to kayla-care.com to download your own copy. So let's get started. And welcome back to the Human Design in Real Time podcast. Today, we are speaking with Alianka Polanco about her deconditioning journey as a manifester. Alianka is a leading life and success coach for powerful women and the author of Beyond Profit, The Successful Women's Guide to a Meaningful Life. And for all of you human design nerds out there, she is a 5-1 emotional manifester, uh, and she has graciously agreed to tell us about her journey today. So welcome to the podcast, Alianka. I'm so happy Thank to have you, you so here. Thank you so much for having me. I feel so honored and excited and grateful, and I'm excited to nerd out with you ladies. Yay. Yeah. So just a quick background. Uh, we actually, Kayla and I know Alianka from college, yeah. so it's kind of a crazy like we, uh, Kayla and Alianka connected and talked about human design and nerding out about human design, essentially. And um, she graciously yeah. agreed to join us here. You guys graciously invited me. Thank you. <laughs> I know. It was so funny. I think there was literally a moment. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think I got, I was on your email list and I got mm. one of your emails and you mentioned human design. And it was like, I had been working with human design for like a year and either oh, yeah. hadn't opened an email or maybe I hadn't actually subscribed yet and I see this and I was like oh my god are you kidding (laughs) like especially because I feel like you had kind of been an expander for me as a a performer who had become a coach and like so when I was becoming a coach you know like our best friend Erica as well Erica Villani who you also know Erica yeah Erica (laughs) Um, she's also a coach so she was a big expander for me and then knowing that there were other people from our our school you specifically who had become successful coaches it was kind of this like okay maybe this isn't the crazy thing in the world like maybe becoming a coach is is a is a, an aligned trajectory for someone like me 
actors like us, people who understand other humans, you know? Um, totally. And so then when I saw that you were doing human design and that human design was part of your coaching practice, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, oh wait, how is this real? That's That's so funny too, Kayla, because this is like, I've been studying, so I'm like, in my seventh year of my deconditioning process, I've been studying human design for like eight years, but I only just for fun, like I'm a one line. So, you know, it's just late night research mm -hmm. all the time. And literally <laughs> only in the last, I want to say like six months, eight months was I like, actually, I would like to use this in my work. Like it really genuinely so was a funny. very selfish pursuit. Like it was just me trying to make sense of myself. Yeah. Really. Um, and then mm. when I saw how it could play out with the people I was working with, that's like just light bulb moment. Yeah. So it's yeah. so it's, it's also very new for me to be working with human design, even <sighs> though like personally I have been, an HD nerd for a while now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, welcome to the club. <laughs> I, I love that. We're all we're all Absolutely. HD nerds here. I love that. I love that concept too as a one line that like you took all of that time to just learn about it cuz you're a 51. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love it too because it kind of again I really do think like human design just helped me make sense of myself. Like I think I was really self-aware, but it just gave me like verbiage mm -hmm. for like, oh, this is why I do that. This is why I do that. Basically, it's like I do have a few things that I'm a total nerd about and I don't even talk about it to people. I just like am like very deep divey yeah. about it and human design is like mm. one of those things. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Because then I look, it, I had the exact opposite experience with human design. Human design came into my world. And within two months, I was already doing sessions with people. <laughs> like it Amazing. was like, I, I had a friend who uh, just kept saying like, hey, like, you should look at human design. You should look at human design. I think you would really understand human design. And I finally was like, <laughs> okay, fine. And so I, I, I did a few <laughs> sessions with a coach and just fell head first, signed up for more sessions. I did like, I think it was like six deep dive sessions on myself and then got a bunch of books. And a friend of mine was like, Hey, I know you're excited about human design. I have a friend who wants a session. Do you think you could give her a session? <laughs> And it was like two months after Invitation. I had been learned. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I just did it. I, that it just kept and I just didn't stop. And I think a big part of that is my two line. I, I'm a, I'm a two four. And like, I am just, I, the thing that fascinates me and the thing that I'm already really good at, that's how I'm going to get better at it. That's how I'm going to be able to hone that skill. Totally. And so for me, just diving in and being the teacher has taught me so much more than having a certification. And like, I actually have never been certified, but I have worked with so many people who mm. have been certified from so many different schools that I feel like I've gotten a really well-rounded understanding from like friends and colleagues and being on the podcast and just getting to like dive in with clients. So I, I just love like the differing ways that coaches can like learn to coach, totally. you know? Yes. Well, I actually, I love mm. that. I love, I think that's why I finally started using human design with other people. Cause I was like, wait, wait, wait. In, in the coaching industry, there is this like 
if you do it one way, you should teach people how to do it, how you did it. And I get that rationale, but then I learned human design and I'm like, that literally doesn't make sense. Like at all, because we're all so different. And like the fact that I want to like read about it or like needed to read about it for so many years versus like you who were able to like jump right into it. Like neither one's wrong, neither one's right. It's just like how each of us were meant to like do it. So I just feel like human design has like provided so much. It's funny that I'm going to use this word because it's like my conscious son, but it's, it it has shown me like grace Mm -hmm. for so many different ways of being and of doing and I think not that I think I was judgmental before but I think I'm like so accepting of all the things now because I'm like we're all so uniquely individual and like at the end of the day we just need to like figure out how to do it right by ourselves and like for ourselves and Mm -hmm. that's why I love human design oh I I love that absolutely and I think that I love that you use the word grace because I think giving grace to ourselves is the core of just about every healing journey. Um, (laughs) And human design really gives us the opportunity to give ourselves grace because like you said, you were not a judgmental person before. I also feel like I was never like a super judgmental person, but you know who I judged a lot myself. Yeah. 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 Well, we are here to talk about Alianka's deconditioning journey as a manifester. We've had um, a couple of different types on projectors, generators, many gens. So we're really excited to talk to you, Alianka, about um, what deconditioning is like for the manifester. So can you take us on your deconditioning journey? Uh, when did it start? You know, when what have been some of the things that you've been learning to decondition throughout your time uh, totally. and your journey? Um, so I think. I have been a coach since 2013. So I just had my like 10 year coaching anniversary. Wow. So I know. Thank you. And actually it's like September 15th (laughs) or no, sorry, sorry. September 2nd, 2013 was my first coaching session ever. And it's just, it like passed. I didn't even realize until I was like talking about it in a video. I was like, Oh, I think I just had my 10 year anniversary. Um, so I have been in the self-help world for a really long time. Um, but I probably didn't find human design until 2015. Um, and to be honest, I have no idea how I found it. Like I, I love that. I genuinely don't, I have no idea. Like, did I see it on a website or I have no idea. But I remember, like... You were divinely initiated. Yeah. (laughs) I signed up for someone's freebie, which basically was like like a free PDF about Mm. my profile. And it was Mm -hmm. just like, oh, my God. Like, everything (laughs) felt so accurate um, about the manifester, about being a 5-1, about being emotional. It was just like every, and this is like, it was pretty basic information now. Like now I think it was basic information, but I remember like at the time I was like, 
what is this? Like, yeah, why but- do they know? <laughs> How do they yeah. know me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was. And then I had a friend who was studying HD and she gave me a channels reading. So she just like looked at my channels mm-hmm. and like talked to me about that. And again, it was like, that feels beyond accurate like yeah. it's not even funny like yeah. this is very serious mm, yeah. why is this so <laughs> accurate yeah. um and then I joined a so I feel like I was gathering information right mm-hmm. and then I joined a human design mastermind and I would say my deconditioning process really began in that mastermind wow. um because one thing about deconditioning as a manifester, or at least for me personally, I never could like resonate with the not self theme of anger. Like it didn't make sense to me. Like I was like, but I'm not an angry person. Like sad, sure. Emotional, yes. But angry, like I don't, I don't feel that. Yeah. Um, and then this mastermind kind of taught me like, oh, 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 you do feel it. Like there's a lot of maybe conditioning <laughs> that yeah. has like very quickly mm-hmm. turned that ang- angry chemical reaction to sadness or mm-hmm. to um, just like emotional emotionality. But actually, like when I was able to slow down, I could see like the spark of a lot of my big emotions was anger. Mm. Um, And I would say that Mm -hmm. that's when the whole journey started because all of a sudden it was like I could see myself in 3D and all of it, it was like I could, I could, I got like why I would behave the way I I was behaving. There was this like very intense anger about a lot of things. Um, which you guys know, right? It's like the not self theme. So it's like, there were actually so many misalignments in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think just connecting to that anger versus, I think I would, I don't know where in my childhood anger turned to sadness. Like Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I've realized. Um, but once I could put Mm -hmm. like the sadness on the shelf and be like, wait, you're actually angry about this. Like, this is not... This is not it. Yeah. Um, I think that's really what was the spark of my journey. Um, it's reconnecting to that. I think I read once that like for the manifester, anger is like a chemical reaction. Like it just is. Like it's mm-hmm. not like you think about it. It's not like it built. It just literally is like something happened and it's like poof. Like it's just this chemical thing and when I realized or when I read that I was like that I could see that I could totally see that even like I'm still in this journey of like uh understanding my anger triggers and like the other day I was hanging out with a friend and she said something and in that moment this is very recent this is like July in that moment I was like oh you're angry right now like like I'm still like I still have to identify mm, it as like yeah. this is anger inducing this is <laughs> anger. in this moment yeah. yeah 
Yeah, I resonate with everything that you just said, because my not self theme is also anger as a manifesting generator. Um, and when I realized that it just gave me permission to be angry and like, let that live and let that sort of expel from my body when I needed to expel it because it would just, otherwise it was eating me alive. Yes. You know, that was like one of those things that would just sit there and fester if I didn't let it out and like learning that, oh, that is your not self theme. You need to let it out and let it flow and get rid of it in order to move towards your self theme. And I was like, (laughs) what? I don't, I, I can, I'm allowed to be angry. What? Such a crazy thing. So I so resonate with everything that you just said and was like, oh, I, I feel that. I feel that so hard. Totally. And it was like, I'm currently, um, sober, um, um, eight months, maybe nine months. I'm not sure. Um, but when I decided to stop drinking, I, it was partially because I felt like drinking was like a coping mechanism for all of my big emotions. Like that's how mm. I was like tempering yeah. all the emotions. Mm. Um, and so without alcohol, I've been like, oh, that's anger. That's anger. That like, like, actually, like I can see it so clearly. And I think to your yeah. point, Megan, too, it's like yeah. now I, I, for me, I feel like I'm starting to get more comfortable, like finding outlets for that anger and maybe not directly like at people, because I think it's usually terrifying when I'm angry at someone, like it's terrifying for them, Um, but like therapy or like, I actually have started making art again, because I think that's probably how as a younger person, I knew to deal with my emotions, like Mm -hmm. that was the outlet. And so it's so funny, like if life feels very full circle right now, because it's like, I'm starting to act again, I'm starting to do more stuff in that realm. And it's like, oh, right, like I had naturally chosen something to deal with all of these emotions. Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. And I, I, I love that concept of kind of like <laughs> lo- doing this in the, within the deconditioning journey, you find yourself looking back and seeing like, okay, who was I before the conditioning set in maybe? What choices yeah. did I make before <laughs> I picked up this specific conditioning, you know? And like, totally. especially as mm. performers, like a lot of, I know I did, and it sounds like you did as well. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Megan did as well. Started performing like at age <laughs> two in yeah. like everywhere, just yeah. like putting on plays with yeah. my sister, singing at random. Like I did a play in preschool and ended up like I was the only one who remembered any lines. And by any lines, I mean anyone's lines. So I started <laughs> telling everyone what their lines were and directing everybody in the play while <laughs> while it was happening. Three years old. And like that's very projectory. Right? <laughs> <laughs> And my conscious son is gate 31. So I'm I'm the democratic leader and the projector. Yeah. It was like that was that was me at my at my peak. Three years old. It's beautiful. I would like to get back there. <laughs> <laughs> I wait, I think that's the thing. It's like um something I'm finding at the end of my first seven year cycle is like actually I thought life was about no, I thought. I like needed to throw away old things 
And I'm just realizing like, actually life is kind of like a spiral staircase and you come back to old things, but you come back to it in like a new way Mm. with new ways of being, with new awareness, with new intentions, with new clarity. Um, That's like a very, very big lesson (laughs) for me right now. Ah. Absolutely. With new wisdom, Mm. with a new understanding, you know, like you come at, I I feel like as we heal, we are not becoming our old selves. We're stepping into a version of ourselves that remembers the joy, Mm. that remembers what it was like and is able to acknowledge that rather than stuff it away. Because I think so much of the wounding that is created, the conditioning that we pick up is protecting ourselves you know, from essentially getting hurt. But oftentimes that also means from joy (laughs) because joy is often connected to hurt. You know, the times when we're most creative are times when we can be rejected, are times when someone might say, you know, oh, I don't like that. And like, so we, we kind of learn to, to, to dumb ourselves down to like be less interesting so that we are less uh, susceptible to rejection, you know? So as we move into a more healed space, we can actually kind of love ourselves for the things that were different. You know, we can give ourselves that unconditional love that we really needed. And it's, yeah, I I think it's an absolutely beautiful, absolutely beautiful experience. Totally. It's a journey. It's it's a beautiful journey. It really really is. is. (laughs) It's a beautiful journey. Ups and downs all the time. So um, how else have you been using human design to help you on this deconditioning journey? Like what specifically are you pulling from your practice with human design to help you move through some of the conditioned things in your life? Oh, man. I think I think for me, the big, big thing, the things that still feel big, because um, it has been a, a while now, but I think the things that I'm still like, meditating on and really like working with are like being emotionally defined like Mm -hmm. that is um constant journey it's a constant journey the Mm -hmm. waves the waves um (laughs) oh boy and, and also what I realized too was I I don't I think it was maybe 2018 I kept getting this just like message like you have to slow down you have to slow down you have to slow down and I was like living in New York at the time I was running this business I was doing a lot of things and I kept trying to slow down but it was like I don't know I kept hearing like you gotta slow down like more more (laughs) and then finally I broke my toe and I couldn't move for like three months I think before it like I mean I could move but it was not fun to to, like do anything yeah and so I was on my couch for like three months Mm -hmm. and that's when it was like this is the pace we want you to go at yeah it was like I love it when the universe like cuts in and does it for you yeah We tried to tell Whether you. Whether you like it or not. We, yes, exactly. Like, Alianka, we, we did tried not to be need subtle. to shatter your toe, but you were not listening. <laughs> um, but I felt like those oh, three no. months showed me, like, the – it's like I could see the waves happening in 3D. 
Because mm. otherwise, like when my life was so, I really believe this for all emotional authorities, like we are meant to live slightly more slowly. Mm-hmm. Even the manifesting generators, even the, the sacredly defined, like we just need a bit more time mm-hmm. to digest life fully. Um, I think I talk slower now. I live a lot slower than I used to live. Mm. Um, And it's mostly Mm. to honor my emotional wave and to like make peace with the fact that I glean insight over time, Mm. right? Like I feel like for emotionally defined people, the phrase, there's no truth in the now is so accurate. So I'm like constantly trying to give myself more time to like arrive at my full truth. And that requires me to like slow down immensely. Um, So I would say that is like a huge, huge part of my journey right now. Even to the point that, like, when things, yeah, right? <laughs> even to the point that when <laughs> I love that deep breath, deep that yes, I just <laughs> so, when when yes, things I was like, feel rushed, I actually just opt out. Like, I've actually kind of like made peace with the fact that if someone needs something from me, like immediately or quickly or whatever the case may be it's potentially not for me yeah. because the things that are for me are still going to be there when I am in my clear, like when I'm in my clarity point. Um, So that really feels like, I think that's probably going to be an ongoing life. Uh, You know, I'm going to have my eye on that for forever, but that especially feels big. And um I would say the second thing is I'm completely open in the spleen, mm-hmm. um, like completely open, like not even no gates yeah. activated. Um, and so I think I used to be in like not great relationships for a really long time, or I'd mm-hmm. stay in apartments that were terrible for a really long time, or I'd stay, I've had a really robust business over the last 10 years, but I would like hang on to programs that I knew I was kind of complete with. There was just this huge theme of like holding on to Mm -hmm. things that were not good for me. Yep. Um, Mm. So I think, I think that's like a big theme for me now is just like keeping my eye on, I'm constantly trying to listen to myself For when I'm saying like, oh, I don't like how this feels. Oh, this is not a good fit. Oh, this like I'm just trying to like genuinely listen to myself and allow myself to move forward when things are no longer serving because I know like like my open spleen is probably one of my biggest spots for conditioning And it's like scarcity. It's Mm. like, oh, if I let this go, I'm never going to have this kind of love or I'm never going to have a home or I'm never going to have like it feels so um, it feels so like a character, like it feels big, like the fear feels so big. Mm. Um, But I think human design has really taught me like as an open spleen, I'm probably always going to feel fear and it's still okay to like let go of things. 
And it's still okay to just like release things and to trust that better things are always on the way mm-hmm. um, and that you don't have to like tolerate things that you don't, that like don't feel good. That's yeah. like, that is a very big lesson yeah. for yeah. <laughs> for me oh. still. <laughs> I love that. I want to, uh, I want to paint a picture just for our listeners so you understand what Alianka's chart looks like. Um, so she is defined in her throat, her self-center, her will center, and her emotions, and everything else is undefined. So she's undefined in the root, the sacral, and the spleen, and in both her crown and mind centers. Um and she has two different emotional waves. So when we're talking about this emotional experience that you've been having, you have both an uh, individual wave and a tribal wave. So you're dealing with emotions in two different kinds of wave. So <laughs> is that something that do you feel the two different waves separately or do they kind of all become one? Because I know you said you spent a lot of time really feeling into those waves. Thank you for reminding me that I have the two different, like, I, you know, my channels are like mostly, I think I have three individual and one tribal. So like the way I teach human design, like part of it is like, we look at circuitry in terms of like your why. So a lot of my why is very selfish. Like it is very like, it's the yeah. Alianka show over here, you know? Um, and then like, I have a little bit that's like, I really care about my people. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I don't, I'm not really a collectively based person, yeah. even though I do have the fifth line, but it's like for me internally, like what activates me is it's either individual or it's about my people. So I think with the emotional wave, I totally do see like the things that you know, the tribal emotional wave, it's very like little things add up and then I explode and then little things add up and I explode mm. and then little things add up and I explode. Whereas like the individual one uh, oh does boy. feel like yeah. up and down and up and down. Yeah. So it is actually two totally <laughs> different things. And I actually have to be very mindful of my relationships. I have a lot of placements that I feel lend lend itself to solitude like Mm -hmm. I'm emotional which I think we do great with solitude I am single definition so like sometimes days go by and I'm like I should talk to somebody (laughs) like I should set something (laughs) up I like days go by and it doesn't occur to me to connect with people like um even just being a manifester and then man yeah, yeah that's the third one it's like it's very comfortable to be solo um the for manifestors that like silent creative process have you guys like read about that it's like it's so real it's like I when I'm creating stuff and by the way I think manifestors are always creating stuff like Mm -hmm. I think I've struggled with like anxiety and depression in my life and in retrospect what I realized is like the moments that that felt like huge is I wasn't creating anything Mm. so it's like all of my creative energy Mm. actually was like stuck (laughs) internally and like creating Mm. chaos um but I think 
for manifestors, like that silent creative process, it's like, I don't even want to talk to anybody. Like when I'm in creation mode, it's like, I just want to create whatever it is that I'm going to create. So I, I have to be very mindful in my relationships to like speak up when the little things are happening so that I don't explode. Mm -hmm. Um, at other people because like that's not very nice um but also I'm like constantly managing that with like my life is so solo at the moment and actually I'm like very Mm. at peace and it's like wild because it's like in New York I always lived with roommates I was always in a relationship when I lived in New York I it just like I used to, um, I'm from the East Coast, so I would go see my family every other weekend. Like it was just people, 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 people. And now it's like, I live out in LA. I have no family nearby. Yep. I live by myself. <laughs> like it literally feels like I feel you so hard, girl. That's literally what I'm doing right now. <laughs> but it feels, it does feel like very peaceful. Like I have to say, like, I do miss my parents a lot. Like they're coming to visit in like a month or so. Um, but I, I, in my day to day, I feel so peaceful. Um, so that is, I don't know if I answered the question, but that is. No, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) No, you, you've touched on so many things that I want to dive deeper on, but go ahead, Kayla. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think that this discussion of creativity, it's definitely a manifester thing. I mean, you know, so what we discuss in human design with manifestors um, for our listeners is the concept of having like big periods of creation and then periods of rest because manifestors do not have defined sacral centers. However, they have a motor to the throat. So that means that essentially they are constantly able to initiate and create and be on this almost connection with divine energy to be able to be creating. But because they don't have the sustainable energy of a defined sacral center, it's important to make sure they are resting. But because they create in such big spurts, they also must rest in big spurts. So there's this kind of cycling Mm -hmm. that happens with the manifester. And I think especially because you are an emotional authority, you are a manifester with an emotional authority, those emotions need to constantly be processed. And so if you're needing to process, you're creating. Like when we Mm. are processing, we are creating. In uh, Karen Curry Parker, who created quantum human design, um, actually doesn't call the emotional authority an emotional authority. She calls it a creative authority. I love that. Yeah, because it's this idea Mm. that we are creating as we process. You're constantly in that space of creation. So especially because you only have that defined emotional center, you don't have a defined sacral, you don't have a defined spleen, a lot of your decision-making, a lot of your entire life path is going to be wrapped up in that creation. Because one thing that I often will work with clients on is the idea of having an emotional authority and needing to like calm the waters in order to hear a defined sacral response or in order to hear it. Like I have a defined spleen and a defined emotional center. And a lot of times once I quiet the emotions, I can talk to my spleen. Like I have, she's like an inner voice and she's my intuition and I can talk to her. And so she will tell me what I need to know in whatever moment, whatever that is, but the emotions need to come first. So I think it's, it's, 
I love hearing the way that you use your emotional authority without either of those centers, because I feel like that's something that I have struggled with understanding (laughs) um, Mm. as a projector who has that defined spleen. So yeah, I just love hearing your insight on all of these things. I love hearing your, so this is why I love human design. It's like eight years in, there's still new things to learn. Like my line one is very happy in this field of study. Like there's just always things to learn. I've never heard emotional authority referred to as a creative authority. And I I like, watch, we're going to end today and I'm going to like go download her book (laughs) and like read up because that, it Uh, makes so much sense, like even hearing it. Um, And I like to say, you know, I, I tell my friends, I'm like lightning or I am molasses and there's no in between. So if I'm lightning, it's hard. I don't want to talk. Like I have stuff to do. Like I'm in a lightning phase. Um, And then when I'm in a molasses, like I'm probably more chill about talking. I'll go out like, but it's like the lightning phases are, they are like creative, like huge creative spurts. And I just like, I could probably be a little better about not being in scarcity mindset around that, but it's like, they don't come all the time. And so it's like, when that energy is present, that's all I want to do. Like that, it's just like, Mm -hmm. that's what I want to do. Like, I don't know how else to say it. I love that. I love that. Is that something that you feel like post, like as you're on your deconditioning journey, you have leaned into more and more? Or is it something that you've always done without even thinking about it? You know, I think like before I was very like, like very much a rule by the rule book kind of person. Like I wanted to follow the rules. I would like bend myself backwards and contort in crazy ways just to follow the rules and play the game. And I think human design has given me permission to be like, bitch, you're, oh, sorry. Um, Girl, (laughs) human design. Okay, sweet. Um, It's just like, (laughs) bitch, you are the game. Like you are the, like, like actually like you're only playing by your own rules. Um, So I think that's actually a huge difference because I think, for me, like pre, pre-deconditioning, I was just always looking for validation because I was creating by other people's standards. I was creating on other people's timelines. And because that's very unnatural to a manifester, of course, I was like, is this right? Is this okay? Oh Can I get yeah. a gold star? Can yeah. I get an A plus? <laughs> Can I get, like, right. that really was my journey. And I was that girl, like I was a straight A student. I, like I needed that validation very much so and I realized it's because I was playing a game that like wasn't really for me yeah and I and I think actually that's why I'm so um unapologetic about when lightning does strike for me like I'm unapologetic about taking that time because I'm like but this is my game like that that's how I best function and like I just trust that the people who are meant to be in my life, like they can make peace with the fact that they won't hear from me for like a week or two at a time Um, because that's just, (laughs) that is how I'm designed to function. Absolutely. Yeah. I love how unapologetic you are about that. It's such a wonderful inspiration for anybody who lives in that 
general game like everybody in you you mentioned like you have your own game that you're playing and nobody else needs to play it but you and i love that you that that is the way you describe it and that is the inspiration that you're putting out to other people to say play your own game you don't have to play anybody else's game that's so wonderful to hear i also i love that concept because you are essentially teaching the people that you love that this is the way that I function. <laughs> and either you love me for it or you can leave. I, I I love you. You're wonderful. But I need to, I play my game my way. And like, I think that is yeah. so, di- so difficult. Like that's such a difficult thing for us to grasp onto. We live in, especially as women, people pleasing is like, that is life. People pleasing yeah. is life. It is safety. It is, you know, how we keep our- That is conditioned. It is conditioned yeah. as this is how we stay safe. We keep everybody happy. And from day one, and especially as a manifester, that's not how you're designed, but that is how you were, the how <laughs> you were, you know, conditioned. Exactly. And so being able to now step into your power and being able to know, okay, the people who are my people- they will they will be my people and they will understand that this is how I take care of myself. And the only way that we can do that is by taking care of ourselves and letting our people know this is how I take care of myself. And I think that's a part of the deconditioning journey that we often don't take into account. We think about it as like, oh, this is all me. It's all just me doing my thing and being in my corner and he- doing my healing. You, The other people in your life need to be involved if only as a way for you to say, hey, this is what I need to do for me. Thank you for understanding. Not, I'm sorry. Thank you for understanding. (laughs) You know? I mean, Mm. I I feel like this is actually a huge topic. I feel like we could do a whole sermon on the people pleasing as women, as conditioning. (laughs) Um, Because it's huge. It's like a huge thing. Uh And I just, I realized like even... um, I, I never would have articulated it like that. So thank you for putting it that way, Kayla. But human design is like, it is how you work. And then it's also how you work out in the world and yeah. with your people. And I'm like specifically thinking about one of my best friends is a generator and she's so, um, she's so quick. She's like a sacral generator uh-huh. and she's so quick and she always has questions. And I think at one point I was like, I need you to stop asking me questions. Like I cannot be in response mode <laughs> in our really, I just can't yeah. be responding to you. Like that's your job. Yeah. What would be really, I think I actually spelled it out for her and she's, she's like into human design, but not, not like we are. Like yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah, Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. But I did just explain to her. I was like, it makes my life so much easier when you just tell me what's happening. Like just inform me. And if I'm going to join, I'll let you know. If I'm not going to join, you're probably not going to hear from me. That means no. Yeah. Um, but I cannot answer. I can't be in response mode to you mm-hmm. every day. Like, I just cannot. And I think we're still friends. Amazing. It, I love it that. Changed, like, it actually even informing her in that way helped me be comfortable just informing people in general, like, I am not a responder. Like I'm not designed to respond. So I say a lot and then I invite you to do with it what you will. But like, I'm probably not going to be able to answer back 
after the fact. Like I have transmissions. Yeah. That's how I work. <laughs> um, I love to mm-hmm. hear feedback, but it's just really hard for me to like answer questions. It's very, not in a podcast setting, but like yeah. it's very hard for me in life to just constantly be responding, responding, responding. Yeah. Um, so I just don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. As best as I can at least. Yeah. I love yeah. that so much. And I love, I hadn't thought about it like that. But I feel the same way when it comes to like people like sending me emails that I have to like send a quick response to or like asking me a yes or no question. Like I'm sitting here like, I want to talk this through for like a half an hour before I make this choice. (laughs) Do you, would you like, like, I don't have the energy to talk to you right now, but maybe in three days, (laughs) it's like, you know, (laughs) so I, I I feel that, but it's all emotional authority. We are, we are, we're all emotional authority. And actually you and Megan share one of the same emotional channels and you both have fully open undefined spleens. Yep. Wow. Yep. Megan, do you have, do you feel like your undefined spleen is a thing for you? Yes, actually. Um, I, I do deal with a lot of scarcity and, and that I feel comes from that undefined spleen and not knowing. And Kayla and I talk about this, like I, you know, dream about being an apocalypse prepper. Like my husband and I will stash weapons around the house. We make and collect weapons. We make like, you know, we learn how to make everything ourselves because yeah. that's what we like to do. But that's sort of my undefined spleen going in case of an emergency, <laughs> I am prepared. <laughs> Come to my house. I have the preparation. I, I love that um, so much. <laughs> that is very undefined spleen. I, I, I feel like the it, undefined yeah. spleen is totally a spectrum. It's like that, or people are just like, oh, if an apocalypse happens, I will just die. Like, I'm not yeah. going to try. I'm not going to try to fight it. No, but I, balance, I do balance between the two. There are definitely days where I'm like, well, if it's like, if it's running zombies, I'm just going to die. And that's just going to be Or if it's like a reasonable apocalypse, I'm I'm good. I'm prepared. If it's a reasonable apocalypse, um, or I am preparing continuously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like slow zombies. zombies. You know, fast zombies versus slow, slow maybe zombies, zombies that they keep locked in the hospital. I'm sorry, we got on this. Like, you know, no, I love zombies. it. No, but Megan, thank you for sharing that because that does feel very like undefined clean. It's like that in case of emergency. Some like unchecked feels like it's in all areas of life sometimes. Like I realized that um, in my like uh, romantic relationships, I always feel like I need an exit strategy. Like I'm like, I just need to know that I can leave this at any point in time. And actually, if I don't feel that way, I can't move forward. Like I which I'm not saying that that's good or bad, but it's like I constantly do need like an in case of emergency exit path yeah I I I yeah and I hearing you say like in relationships I need that exit path I'm like yeah even even in relationships I'm like well if for any reason me and my husband split I have this this and this in place to make sure that I'm okay and that's not going to happen and you're fine (laughs) but like just in case I I, it's still something that I think about and I and and it sits there deep (laughs) (laughs) 
way back here. <laughs> I'm still there. Uh, but it, yeah, that undefined spleen definitely gives me that uh, need to prepare for all scenarios, regardless of what could happen. What, what does happen? I'm prepared for all scenarios. And if I'm not, I'm screwed and I just accept it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's just how I walk through life with an undefined You spleen. know, it's so funny hearing you guys talk about this because I'm listening to all of this and like, on the one hand, I have a dis- I have a defined spleen. I am very like I am someone who always knows if I'm safe. I am someone who yeah. always knows I don't prepare for anything. It drives PJ crazy. Um, but I do not prepare for anything. Uh, and I have often felt the conditioning that I should. <laughs> that I should be preparing. I should have a full retirement plan and I should have all of these things in place and I should know what I'm going to do in an apocalypse and I should have, you know, like money in my mattress or whatever. And I, I don't know like what of those things I actually am supposed to do, but I also know very, very deeply that whatever happens in any given moment, I'm going to know how to take care of myself. Like I'm going to know how to deal with it. That sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> Must be nice too. <laughs> so, but it is, it's just so interesting hearing because I'm hearing you guys talk about this. And the first thing, like uh, from a human design perspective, I'm like, okay, I understand why I don't feel this way. But if you guys, if we weren't talking about human design and I was just in a group of friends and everyone else was just talking about like, oh, this is what I've done to ensure my safety. And this is what I've done to prepare myself. I'd be sitting there thinking, oh God, what have I done? I, 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 I pet sit. I go from house to house. I literally like, I, I don't, my car is still registered in New York because I don't have an actual place that I live in California. Like there are so many things about my life mm. that are transient and unexpected and, you know, like living in that space of the void of the unknown, but it's okay for me. Like that's my game. You know, yeah. like my incarnation cross is actually the cross of the unexpected. Like I am yeah. the unexpected leader. That is my, that's my incarnation cross. Mm. Oh, I just got chills, Kayla. <laughs> right? It's like, oh, living in your design. Way to go. Thank you. <laughs> but like, as I have started to really lean into that more, it's like I've really started to like feel into my defined spleen and like really allow my sense of survival to like to trust myself, like to trust myself to know that like I am going to be okay. Like I do know that I'm going to be okay. And I know that my partner's going to be okay. And like I know that we are going to be okay. Like I have that knowing and actually mm. listening to it and leaning on it and trusting myself, you know? And that I feel like has been such a huge mm. thing for me on my deconditioning journey um, is really just leaning into those parts of me that are defined, you know, and know knowing that these are things that that are the truth of who I am. This is my authenticity, you know? I feel like, yeah. first of all, I got chills when you said unexpected leader. I was like, oh, God, that's totally it. I think of like, I think of like the incarnation <laughs> cross almost as like your brand. Like this mm. is who you are like out into the world. So mm -hmm. when you said that, I was just like, ah, chills everywhere. Yes! Uh, and I, I think I just also want to highlight, like I feel the same way about the defined centers like that is who you are and that's who like that's like 
I, I experience it as like, this is my reliability. Like mm. I know on any given day, like the motions, my ego center is actually one of my centers that I most like. I'm like, oh, I'm driven. Like on any given day, I might be tired. I might be whatever, but I never lose sight of like what it is I'm working towards. Like that's just not in my design and I feel like when I was listening to you talk Kayla it made me realize like I think that's why human design is so beautiful because it's like when you know your design you know where you're strong you know like the truth of who you are Mm. but you also know where you are liable to conditioning and where maybe it is helpful to have some input and where like I think of myself like I do love all my solo time but my totally open head and Ajna I love to talk with people actually Mm. because it like gives me Mm. new ideas and then I like to go in a cave and do what I'm gonna do but actually this is so good for me to like talk to people (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah no just to say I think it's just so powerful. I feel, I really do feel like human design is so powerful. Um, even yeah. just the awareness of like, this is where I'm strong. This is where I could use support or this is a room for improvement area. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I love that. I actually want to ask you, Alianka, what have you been doing to heal your uh, spleen center? You know, you were talking about that. And um, like what we all deal with, with our defined or undefined spleens, you know, what do you, what have you done to heal that center since you've been, uh, you recognize it as one with deep conditioning? Um, I think, so for me, um, talk therapy has probably been my big thing. And part of that is I'm like meant to talk, like that's my yeah. uh, center with like the most mm-hmm. colored in gates. Um, and I just realized like the more I listen to myself, it's, mm. This is what I realized, like, as a manifester, I know my talking help, like, creates change for other people. I do, I feel that, I get that. I didn't realize that it also creates change for me. Yep. And oh, that, like, yeah. actually mm-hmm. just listening to myself talk, like, I make voice memos and I listen back to them. Yes. Just so I can hear myself talk. Uh, I love that idea. I tell manifestors to do that all the time. Um, that's actually where a lot of my clarity comes from. Yeah. Um, because it's like, as I'm talking, I'm just talking, like I'm not planned. I'm not, I, my, my emotional motor is what's connected to my voice. Like, right. Like it's just what I'm just talking, but then (laughs) listening back to it, I'm like, bitch, you're so good. (laughs) Like, that's so right. Like it's actually in listening to myself. So I think my spleen journey so far has really been like listening to myself because I think like when I think of like some not great relationships I was in I would always say like I shouldn't really be with this person I think I should break up with so-and-so I think I'm kind of over this I and I would always say it but I wasn't listening to it I wasn't I didn't realize that that meant like Alianka get out yeah I didn't realize that that like I just didn't put two and two together in so many situations uh, I remember this one breakup I that I finally initiated I had it was like a six-year relationship and I had found journal entries from the first year 
of that relationship. I was in coaching school the first year. So I found all my coaching journals and the stuff that I was complaining about, about that person in the first year was still the stuff I was complaining about in year six. Uh, And it was, and that is when I was finally like, okay, I have to get out of this relationship. Like, but it's like, but it's like, if I could, if I had just listened to myself and like trusted myself. So the spleen, open spleen, I feel like, I think I am getting better for sure, but I think my path to healing that center um, and, and like, God, I love human design because (laughs) I'm just, I'm just realizing like, I I just said like, I'm healing that center. And I'm like, yeah, because actually when it is healed, it's like one of my greatest wisdom centers. And I actually will have so much wisdom in terms of letting go and health and heal. I'm I'm like very psychic and I know it's because of my open spleen. I just receive all of the insights from other people yep. through that center. Mm. Um, but for now it's, it's like talking and listening to yeah. myself that, that I told my assistant recently, I was like, my ideal job is just to talk. Like if I just had to talk yes. and everyone <laughs> took care of everything else, that would be like a correct expression of my life. Like yes. that would be, that yes. would be it. So uh, talking, talking is what <laughs> is helping me heal uh, that, that center. That's amazing. And I, I, mm. I love hearing you talk that through because that is something that I tell every manifester that I work with, um, especially to talk to yourself to talk by yourself. Because what happens when you talk to other people is that you end up initiating people without realizing it. Yeah, actually, I I have told friends, like, I have a very small, this this might be a 5-1 thing. And Megan, I'll be curious if you feel the same, but I have like a very tight inner circle. Like, I just like the people that I can actually talk to that I know, like, are not judging me, they don't need anything from me, they don't need me to be anyone for them. Like, it was a very small group. And that I Mm -hmm. have had to tell them, like, when I complain, don't hold me to it. I actually (laughs) just need to express I just need to emote. Do not bring this back in an argument later. Do not like, like, I act like actually to the point that sometimes like when I need to express, I will just text. I'm just informing. I don't need feedback right now. Like I just need to get it out. Yes. Yeah. That's so amazing. I, I, I resonate with that as well. That's like, I have a very small group of people that I discuss things with. Otherwise, I'm very careful about my words and what I'm talking about and how I'm expressing myself around people who are not in the inner circle. Because it's like, I don't want to start anything. I don't want to initiate anything. I'm just having a conversation, whatever this is with you, random person that I just met on the street or whatever situation. Well, and then that fifth line, I don't know, that fifth line gets me into trouble, (laughs) Megan. Like, oh, it's, it actually, that has been one of my biggest healing things of human design. I never realized that people see possibility in me, right? Like, that's really Um, how I experienced the fifth line. The projection field is like, people meet you, Uh and without 
you even saying anything. Yep. You're going to fix a problem for them. Yeah. You're going to solve. You're I go on dates and people think I'm their wife on date one. Like it's like, (laughs) (laughs) okay. So I have learned that I actually have to be, I have to be so myself because I know for the most part, people are just seeing what they want to see about me. Mm -hmm. So actually Mm -hmm. like when I had to delay our thing by 15 minutes today, I was like, I hated that. I don't want to be late, but I was like, but this is me. Like I am late actually. And I Mm -hmm. can't be, people already see fifth lines as perfect. I do not need to add anything to that fake perfection profile. (laughs) I I actually, I'm really like taking it upon myself to like, be like all of me, like the shadows of me out Mm -hmm. loud too, because it's like that pedestal it's not, it's not helpful to other people, but it's actually also not helpful to me. Yeah. Like it dehumanizes. Yeah. hundred percent. It puts so much pressure and it's uncomfortable. And I, I feel that I'm still deconditioning that, like going through a whole thing with that right now and trying not to care what other people think of me. Cause I do feel it the second I walk into a room or even like prior to like a move, like five steps up to the door of the room, you know? And I, I don't want to put that pressure on myself, which is what I do constantly. Um, so I'm still working on that deconditioning, that specific thing about myself because it is, it is inhibiting me from being my most authentic and truest self in, in a room with a lot of people. Because I, I tamper myself down to meet an expectation that doesn't yeah. exist and it's unnecessary. I didn't Ugh. realize that like so much of my life I was – I felt like my brand used to be so like clean and tidy and like smiley. And I am like a smiley person. That's not fake. But I just didn't realize that I was trying to live up to this like weird perfection thing that like was not real. Mm-hmm. Like that – just like the idea yeah. that people had of me – and that I was like actively playing into, that girl did not exist. Like that was not a real depiction of me. And I think, so I took a huge sabbatical during the pandemic um, and kind of how we were talking before we hopped on. Like I, I didn't know the pandemic was coming. I knew something was coming and probably like halfway (laughs) through 2019, I was like, I need a break. I don't know how or why I need to step away yeah. from things. Like I need to. Um, and I, I used to do a live event in New York, like a big three-day thing. And I remember at I did my last one in 2019. No, 2000, late 2018. And I was like, I'm not doing one in 2019 and I'm not doing one in 2020. Like we're just not going to do that. And then – the pandemic hit and I was like, this is a break. I'm out. Gotta go. Uh, (laughs) And I think like, yes, I was like, this is what I, I knew something was going to happen. And it just gave me time. I like needed to like fall in love with myself. Cause I think I, for so long, I started my business when I was 24. So it was was like, I wasn't even fully mentally formed yet. And it's just like I had spent so much time 
trying to be someone for other people. Mm -hmm. And I think the Mm -hmm. most beautiful gift of my deconditioning journey is like being able to know myself and to just love myself as I am. And like now I'm coming back to work Mm -hmm. and like back to being visible. And it's like, I feel so much more solid in the truth of who I am. Um, And I just, I have so much like love and compassion for like 24 year old Alianka because Mm -hmm. she like, she just didn't know. Like (laughs) she just didn't know. Yeah. all of the things that she was like trying to live up to or like the pressures that she had. And I think like now, 10 years later, I'm like, okay, I am going to do this on my terms and I'm going to do this in my way and I'm going to play my game and I'm going to do it in the best way that I can. Um, But not to be anything for anyone else. Like I'm just doing it because I want to do it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. So uh, we have one last question because we are at time. Um, (laughs) What is your advice for other manifestors going through a deconditioning journey and how should they start that? Ooh, I love manifestors so much. I wish, I wish every manifestor knew you're like the most powerful person in your life. And that is true for everybody, (sighs) but like this, especially for manifestors like you are the most powerful person in your life yes and that is like a beautiful gift and it's also a huge responsibility um (sighs) but I just wish that manifestors I think that's my wish for all my manifestor people is just like you are so powerful and it's up to you to step into that and I think that in, in our deconditioned selves, we are so angry, but we're also really disempowered. We're like constantly waiting for other people to do stuff. We're like waiting for permission. We're, we're just waiting. And like, aside from being maybe an emotional manifester where you're waiting for clarity, which by the way, is still yours. Yeah. Um, manifestors aren't meant to wait. Like, like that's not our game. Um, So I think that's my word of advice for manifestors is to just really lean into your power. Mm. I love that so much. And I I got chills when you said that right at the beginning there. Just so real because it it is true. We are all powerful, but manifestors create such an immense amount of power just as an individual that like when you don't acknowledge how profound that truly is you're not just doing yourself a disservice you're doing a disservice to the world you know like we need your power we need your initiations we need your your wisdom and the you know the things that you're excited about we want to be part of the things that you're excited about. (laughs) I I tell my manifestor (laughs) clients like 92% of the population is waiting on us. They're waiting on us to give them something to respond to. They're waiting on us for an invitation. They're Mm -hmm. waiting on us to Mm -hmm. speak literally 92% of the population. (laughs) So like, (laughs) yes, I want to ask you, 
How does that make you feel? Because I have I have wanted to say that to manifestors and then have worried that it was going to put a ton of pressure on them and not known how mm. to express that. So how does that feel to you? I think in the midst of decondition, so I have a defined ego. So I'm constantly keeping that center in check because it can be very <laughs> like, you know. Um, so I think there is a version of me that would have been on an ego trip about that. Like, I don't know that I would have ever been scared about that, but that would have felt like exciting in a dangerous way. Like, (laughs) yeah, in a Disney villain kind of way. I have so much power. Yes. (laughs) Yes, literally exactly. Like, I think now it's human design has given me like an immense respect for the collective and how we all have roles to play and we all have jobs to do. And even, even with all of my like singular placements and stuff, I still need, we all need each other. So when I, when I think Mm -hmm. of that 92% thing, I'm like, it's my job. Yeah. It's literally just my job to like get the ball rolling. That <sighs> and for no it doesn't mean I'm good. It doesn't mean I'm better than anybody. It literally is just my job because that's my design. Like yeah. that's that's how I see it now. Uh, it's literally just my job. I love hearing that. Mm-hmm. I it's just I love the idea that we all have a place here, you know? That like every single person on the mm-hmm. earth has a part to play. We are all yeah. here for a reason. And a very special part. Oh, I just got chills. I feel like sometimes people read about manifestors and they're like, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. Man, I wish I had a defined sacral. Right? Like, I, I wish I had projector <laughs> insight. Like, I wish I had. I, my, both of my sisters are reflectors. I wish I had. Their, I know. Very wild. <laughs> what a very, family. We'll get, about, we'll get into that next time I'm on. Let's, both yes. of my sisters. Are, wow. So I'm wow. just like, each. Each type is so special and it's, it literally is like, none of us are better than the other. We just all have very specific jobs. Yep. That's it. Yep. Mm. Ah, well, uh, Alianka, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for sharing. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. I feel like we could keep talking for a I know. I know. And I would love to keep the conversation I, going. Absolutely. I feel like we're already planning our next episode uh, because yes. you've just told us that both of your sisters are reflectors. That's crazy. <laughs> my what? eyes went like out of my head. What That's are so the odds? Cool. Oh, wow. So funny. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a blast. And I think what you guys are doing is amazing. And it's like... It's so funny studying human design eight years ago versus now. Like eight oh. years ago, it was like hidden behind paywalls <laughs> and in books that yeah. cost $65 yeah. on eBay. <laughs> oh my God. Like it was so like <laughs> hidden. Yeah. And I just, I genuinely am grateful that you guys are bringing it to the forefront. And yeah. thank you. Um, not just thank you for having me thank on here, you. but also just thank you for taking the time to do this. 
Thank you so yeah. much for saying that. Oh, I, I literally, I feel you. like I am, we are, we all are part of moving into the new paradigm. We are moving into a space mm. where we are all going to learn how to be our authentic selves so that we can all play our parts in humanity. And it all starts with us. So, yeah. Amazing. <sighs> If you like what you heard on this podcast, follow us on Instagram at Human Design in Real Time to keep up with our next episodes. And if you want to learn more about your own human design, I'd love to help you on your journey. You can head to my website, kayla-care.com, to book an introductory human design session where we'll dive into the person you were born to be. That's K-A-Y-L-A-C-A-R-E.com. We're always looking for awesome humans to be guests on the podcast. So if you'd like to be interviewed, send us an email at humandesigninrealtime at gmail.com. This podcast is brought to you by Kayla Care. A big thank you to our amazing producer, sound mixer, designer, and editor, Sabrina Mason. Thank you to the composers of our theme song, Niall Spaulding and Sabrina Mason. Thank you to today's guests for being open and present with us. And thanks to you, our listeners, for supporting this podcast. Keep discovering your human Human design design in real time. time.